Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Come on, man. Why don't you give Jesus some praise? That's not a, that's not a PL commercial. That's just giving God glory. Uh, some of you don't know. I, I find myself telling the story so much because it's, it was a real... Uh, just a real significant season of life for me and for this church. And if you don't know what's happening there, that was when I was the chaplain for the Gators. And those are all or many of the coaches uh, that were on that team at the time. So many of those guys, really most of those guys have gone on to coach their own schools and just moved forward in the things that God's had for their lives. And I feel like it was significant to be able to be a small part of that. I don't take credit for it, but I do give glory to God because God uses vessels. Come on. All right, let me go ahead and reestablish this. So when I preach, I need you to say amen to me. All right, I won't be looking at you, looking at me, looking at you. Respond. So when I say amen, you say amen. amen. Talk to your boy a little bit, please. So, um, so, uh, so it was a significant season, and it was a time where I realized I continue to reflect, and people are like, well, that was 13 years ago. Yeah, it was 13 years ago, but God has still continued to open up avenues from that particular time of life. And I, still, I tell the stories, and there's so many things that he continues to birth and to move and to work. And so I'm really, really grateful to be in a house like this. And where I'm going this morning is, if you are a note taker, the title of my message this morning is, Do Your Job. <laughs> I have it in all caps. Uh, do your job. That's the title of my message this morning. And I got that from being around those coaches. And they would say it, if I heard one thing a million times while I was there, they would just tell the players, hey, just do your job. Just do your job. What you're responsible for is what you are responsible for. So if you are a lineman or a running back or a, or a quarterback or one of the coaches or you are a trainer or you're the person who brings in towels and Gatorade, if whatever it is that you, the part that you play is completely significant, just do your job. Say this with me. I, I will do my job. There's a great quote. It says, we all have some sphere of influence. You matter. I'm going to say that again. We all, all of us as believers, as folks who are part of a church body or people who are part of just the kingdom of God, if you don't get anything else out of this morning, please understand that principle that every single one of you has a sphere of influence. There's, a, there's an area. There are groups of people. There are certain whatever contacts or interaction that you have, whether it's your job or your school or your family or whoever else it is that you end up finding yourself around. All of us have a sphere of influence. And I want to see, I do this a lot when I'm in Bible school, when I'm closer to y'all. But I always say, just give me your eyes for a second. Let me see your eyeballs, your eyeballs, as many as I can. There's a lot of people in the room, so I can't see all your eyeballs. But when I see your eyeballs... Can I just tell you specifically to you, if nobody else was in the room, you matter? That you're, that you're important? That what you bring to the table, how little or how small or big, that you matter? 
that it's significant to the kingdom of God, and then when anyone is not playing their part or doing their job or in, their, in the space that they're supposed to be in, do you understand that it affects a lot of people and a lot of things because you matter? Because your, your life, whatever it is that you bring to the table, it is not insignificant in the eyes of God that you genuinely matter. So today, we're looking at, just have a couple of scriptures to show you. If you would turn me over to Ephesians chapter 4, that's where we're going to start with the text this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 3 in the Message Bible. And I've got my old mans up here, so if I put them on, don't hate, y'all. Don't hate. I call them my old mans. These are my readers, so it is, it is what it is. I got them in every room in my house. I literally went yesterday. I had to buy some. I got some in the kitchen, in the bathroom. Got them just everywhere. Don't laugh at me, Antonio. I see you. <laughs> My old man. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. This is Paul saying, while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Hey, better yet, I want you to run on the road God called you to travel. Say amen to that. In other words, he's saying don't get distracted. Don't let all the stuff of our lives pull you off of the destination that you have. But I want you to run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. You ever meet somebody, if you're with them, and they're like, you're in the middle of a conversation, and they're like, ooh, shiny. They get lost. (laughs) Right? He said, I don't want you strolling off another path. I want you to focus. I want you to zero in. Um, he said, I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences. I love this part. And quick at mending fences. That's the word of the Lord. He's saying, I want you to find your purpose. I want you to not just walk to it, but I want you to be intentional about it. What I loved about what some of those guys were saying, they said, Pastor PL will come in there because I walked in there with an intention. I walked in there with a passion. I walked in there with a, to 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who didn't know God, who weren't interested in the things of the Spirit, who, had, who were very jaded, many of them. Many of them had no trust. They didn't trust you as far as they could throw you. And what they sensed was the presence of God and somebody who was running toward his purpose. And I could look a... 300-pound, you know, person who runs a 4.5, you know, 40, who was going to end up being a multimillionaire in just a couple years. Most of the guys on that team, almost 16 of them went to the NFL. Many of them are still playing today. They were multimillionaires. So I had to walk in there with an intention saying, I'm walking toward my purpose. And I know your purpose is to play ball or to do whatever you do, but the thing that I'm bringing to you, I'm intentional about. And then the next part of that verse, it says, and when you do it, be quick to make sure you're mending fences. He's saying in the middle of your journey, there's going to always be opportunities and moments for you to be upset or offended or not understand or whatever else. And he says, on this journey, set your heart 
to be quick to mend fences. I love that verse. Then the rest of it in the message version says in verse 4, it says, you were called to travel on the same road. Somebody say same road. On the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. And everything you are and think and do is permeated by that concept of being in unity, being one. Let's just pray real quick. Father, I thank you. I already sent your spirit today. Thank you for this morning of Pentecost, this day where you remind us that the Holy Spirit is such a, a vital part of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that the hearts of the people that hear me right now and those who may hear later by way of live stream, I thank you that their hearts are open, that they are mendable, pliable, flexible. And I thank you, God, that there's a oneness in our desire and in our intention as we run toward the purpose to do our job. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. And then the next verse that I want to look at, there's so much in that one, but in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, this is where we'll kind of, kind of part today. Verse 11 in the New King James Version says this, And he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be, many of you guys will know this verse, to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But here is why he did this. For the equipping of the saints. For the equipping of the saints. If you are taking notes, that word equipping is very similar to what a doctor does when you have a broken limb. And if you have a broken leg or arm or whatever it is, what a doctor will do, he will equip you. And what that word signifies is basically he takes what was out of order, out of joint, out of place, what didn't fit, what didn't work. He takes that joint and he mends it so that it is effective and it can fulfill the purpose that it was made for. Now, I'm familiar with this because as a football player in high school, I broke my ankle. I've told the story, but I, I, I was a running back, so I was running the ball trying to get a couple extra yards. Um, I got tackled from the side. My leg was like this in here, and my ankle was out there. And I heard it snap. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, I didn't. I cussed, and I, was, <laughs> I wasn't always saved, y'all. But I, I let out some expletives and whatnot, and then I said, Lord, forgive me and help me, and please heal me. Um, so I broke it. But if you go, if you walk with me through an airport now, uh, I don't think it really stops, but you'll see that I have a, I have a pin or a plate that's about, about six or eight inches long, and I've got ten pins in this ankle. And what the doctor had to do was he had to equip me. He had to get me to the place where I could function on something that was broken. The Bible says here, that God gave us pastors, leaders, teachers, all those things so that he could equip you, the saints. Watch the rest of the verse. I'm going to read it. He said he gave us all those things for the equipping of the saints for who to do what? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, what he's saying is all of us are being fixed so that we can do the work of the ministry, so that we can edify the body of Christ, so that people will come to know the God that we're passionate about. Say amen. amen. He's equipping you. He's preparing you. He's getting your heart together. I understand that there's only so much I can do as a pastor. 
There's only so many people I can come across or so many relationships that I can that I can tap into. So much of what God is preparing us for is so that you can do the work of the ministry. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a part. The Bible says it. He's equipping you to do the work of the ministry. Look at verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint. Say every joint. I'm laying a scriptural foundation so you see where I'm going. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, see, every part, where every part does its share. When every joint is equipped, when every part does its share, when every person does their job, basically. It says it causes growth in the body. I hope you're seeing this because I just spent time praying and crying out, God, we need to move. We need to move. We want the spirit of God. We want you to turn. We want you to turn up here. We want you to show out, right? But it says when everybody and every part does their share, then the body expands. Then there's growth. Then there's increase. Why? For the edifying of itself in love. I said it all earlier. We all have some sphere of influence and you all matter. One of the things I want you to also see, super important, is that everything is interconnected. I'm kind of breaking this down because as we head into a new season as a church, most of you guys will have been here. As many of you made this. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe some of you have been around for a little while. But you know that we're in this initiative trying to believe God. And, and I mean, you guys, you said, you said amen with your finances. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you. You said yes. We believe in the vision. We believe in what God's doing in now, church. And, and we're moving forward. And we've got things being lined up so that we can see this, this actual physical building come up out of the ground. But I started thinking about the responsibility that it's going to be that I can't bear the weight of being the only one who's believing God for souls to be saved. Right? I can't, I can't even bear the weight of being the only one who is postured and believing God for a move of God. You know that when I was pulling up these songs today, some of you may know this. We, I announced it at prayer a couple weeks ago that we are going to do a night of worship sometime in July. We're still trying to solidify what the day is. But we're looking at July to try to do a night of worship. And on that night of worship, I have just an expectation that we're going to walk into this room and there's going to be an atmosphere of faith and that people are going to be healed. Some of you don't know, my back was healed two years ago at our very first night of worship. I had had doctors and all kinds of stuff. I was up here dancing and doing my thing. I jumped down off the platform, landed on the ground and said, oh, Jesus, what did I just do? <laughs> and then, bam, my back was equipped. It lined up. And so I'm looking around me and I'm seeing that What's happening in our nation and around the, just around the nations of the earth, all those things that we are crying out and trying to get ourselves postured for a move of God, 
I have to have, and I'm not saying this in a, in a derogatory or negative way like y'all aren't doing your part or part. I mean, I'm just giving it really to the atmosphere so that we know in the next season there's another level of us stepping in and leaning in to what God's called us to do. Amen. I don't know about you, but what I realize is that everything is affected. There's no such thing as an island. There's no such thing as I can do it on my own or without the help of the body. There's no such thing. And here's the dangerous part that I'm finding, and I'm hoping you guys will hear this as the church. Has anybody recently been, like myself, to a restaurant, and you walk in the restaurant, and it's probably at about, I don't know, maybe 40, 60% capacity, and you are on a 45-minute waiting list, then you get in the restaurant and there are tables next to you, around you, all over the place. And you find out that the reason why it's taking so long is because nobody wants to work anymore. Hello? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I've run into it with restaurants. I've run into it in shopping. I've run into it, I'm working on a building project right now. And everything, everything, everything is being affected because one thing affects another, that affects another, that delays another. Come on. If you're around that industry, you know, people have told me, you know, things that you would normally get in four weeks is now taking 10 weeks and taking 14 weeks and stuff is being pushed back. But I found this crazy statistic that said there are so many people who have decided. Now think of this, because if you've worked your whole life, I mean, think of my first job at 12 years old being a paper boy delivery, delivery person in the middle of the cold snow in Iowa. I didn't get any day. I walked backwards barefoot up the side of a mountain. And I know that whole dude. Everybody's always got those, those hardship stories. My feet were swollen and sweaty and bloody. You know, that whole deal. But, but I worked as a 12-year-old as a kid. And, and I've never, check this out. I've never not worked since I was 12 years old. Never. And all the parents of teenagers said, amen, get a job. <laughs> I've never not worked. So you've got a lot of people right now in this season of this pandemic who found themselves not working. Some of them wanted to and couldn't, but many of them, many of them, you know, for whatever reason, found themselves out of work. But what I found statistically is that there is a large percentage of people who have gotten so... Remember, it takes like, what, 21 days to build a habit, to build good and bad habits, they say? How many of you know if you go three months and you have not worked, that that thing could become a habit? Right? You can get comfortable. You figure out, oh, there's soap operas in the middle of the day. You know? You find out that there's stuff that you never saw before. So what we found, what they're finding statistically, is that there are many people who now at this point could go back to work, and I get it. Let me make sure I clarify and qualify for anybody who's got fingers and saying, ah, you're not sensitive. Listen, we understand it, right? We get it. We, I'm not lessening the effect of the pandemic. I'm not. People lost lives. There was stuff that happened. We get it. We get that it took time for some of you to get to a place where you trusted and you were secure enough and not afraid. And I mean, I understand all of that. But how many of you know at some point we got to go back to work? Yes. Yes. Right? I mean, 
at some point, if you go, I don't have time to go through the scripture, but the first thing that God did to the very first human being that was on the earth, he gave Adam a what? A J-O-B, if you want to be with me. <laughs> he gave him a job, man. The first thing, the first thing that God did for Adam, he said, hey, I'm putting you on the earth, but I'm going to give you employment because it's what keeps you alive. And I'm not saying if you're retired, enjoy your retirement, but, but, but allow, allow the purposes of God to live on the inside of you. So what we found, it says statistically that what happens when people are out of work And I didn't realize this. I'll just go through some of them. Sociologists say, statistically, when people are out of work for long periods of time, you get comfortable being out of it, and then this is what happens. There are higher rates of depression, of anxiety, of low self-esteem, of unrealistic focus on sickness. Have you ever had somebody who, when they have extra time, they just think everything is sick? I got a little spot on my arm, or what, they're going to cut my arm off tomorrow, Right? You get people like that, and everything goes crazy because I, I'm, I'm overthinking because I have all of this time. Another thing it said um, of people who are not working, it says there, there's a higher rate of illiteracy. They said that there's obviously poverty, that there's homelessness. And here is a big one, boredom. Boredom was a huge problem that was brought on during this time in this last season because people were unemployed. And I I understand, again, I want to make sure I'm sensitive to you. I get it. Some of you really lost your jobs and you're trying to find and you want to work and you want to get back into it. So I'm not making light of where you find yourself. But can I just tell you that a lot of people got comfortable getting paid by the government? Can I tell you that? Honestly, that a lot of people got so comfortable getting that huge, if you had a family and you had multiple kids, you got a huge, if you were in that place, you got a big uh, stimulus package. And the dangerous part of this is, here's where it comes to you. Just like the world has gotten used to not working, the same thing is trying to happen in the church. Yeah. The same thing. Do you know that it was one of the most, I will even say, I'm going to give the devil credit where he deserves it. (laughs) Do you know that it was one of the most brilliant tactics and strategies of the enemy to keep people from believing that they could come back to church? Do you know that? That was a strategic plan from hell to get us to the place where now... We're comfortable enough to live off of a stimulus, come on, rather than doing the work to fulfill the kingdom's purpose. Right? We will, we will forever do live stream. We've always done it. We've done it. We were, we were positioned for it well before the pandemic ever hit, which put us in a great spot. So when this whole thing happened... We already had great technology. We got churches. The, our Proton Global, the company that is for profit from this church, they are, they are going gangbusters right now because there are so many people who weren't prepared for it. So we're able to be a blessing to other churches. But I find it dangerous. I find it absolutely unthinkable that somehow in our mentality, there have been people who have decided 
that I would rather live off of the old or whatever and not connect to what God is doing right now. And I don't know the day that it's going to be 100% capacity allowed. I don't know if it is right now or not. I don't know the day and the moment when things sort of start getting back to normal, but I can tell you this. I went to Gainesville this weekend just to do some shopping, and it looked like holiday shopping. There were people everywhere. The roads were packed. You Gainesvillians, God bless you, man. I was in the car for like, you know, 45 extra minutes fighting traffic and stuff. But I just thought, okay, if people are starting to find their way back into their lives, then the danger is for you to think that the church is not an integral, important, significant part of what you set your life around. And I know that sounds self-serving because I'm a pastor and we want you here. But can I tell you, there's a difference between watching on a screen and being in the tangible, manifested presence of God. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Do you believe that? Do you, do you agree with that? There's something about it. And I don't know how long it's going to take for those of you. I still see and I get it. If there's masks and those, I get it. I really do get it. And we, we want you to feel comfortable as possible. But at some point, I believe God is going to require for us as the church to just do our job. What's our job? To be in the house of God. To be pulling on the word. To be filling up with his goodness so you can go out and be a reflection of his grace and his glory. I'm almost done. But here's something I saw that I was overwhelmed by. And one of the things that we would do, I did it every single time I had a chapel with those players, and I would do it. I was trying to find a video of it. I've got a lot of footage that I'm kind of digging through now. But I would do um, a chapel for them, and then we would always say, before we walked onto the field, we would say the Lord's Prayer. And it was interesting to me because the Lord's Prayer, I realized about halfway through it, is that it was literally just a, it was just a, like a recital speech to so many of them. And there wasn't a whole lot of revelation behind what they were saying. And for the very first time, I saw this scripture differently than I've ever seen it before. I've read it a thousand times, said it a million times. But the Lord's Prayer is a perfect example of God's heart toward us. I'm going to say this again. No man is an island. When you pull away and you decide that I just want to... Somebody tell me one time, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do me. And I said, do you know how selfish that is? I said, do you know? I mean, I get it. You got to have me time and do your stuff and make sure you keep good health and stuff. But do you know that a posture of I'm just going to do me? Do you know how horrible that is? Because it affects so many people. When you make a decision and you're walking your life and you decide, you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with some of these players and they said, you know, the interesting part is we are very careful not to throw stones because we realize that we are one decision, one bad decision away from the possibility of destroying our own lives. So they said, we're not going to be, we're not going to be, you know, throwing glass or stones in glass houses or whatever the saying is. But I realized that during this time, every one of you is interconnected. What you do, it really genuinely matters. 
the way you conduct your life, your time, your finances, your, your marriage, how you treat your kids, all that stuff comes together. And so I saw this for the first time in this verse in Matthew chapter 6. We've read it a thousand times. Jesus tells them this is the perfect prayer. He gives them the exact example of what it is to say the perfect prayer. He says this, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, how be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right? We've all read that verse. Does everybody know this, that prayer? <laughs> On the right room? Okay. So what this verse, what I never saw, Jesus is telling the disciples, this is the perfect way to pray. So no matter what else I teach you in this Sermon on the Mount and all the different Beatitudes and all the different parables and stuff, he says, if you, if you don't get anything else, I want you to land that this is the way I want you to pray. And what I never saw before until I was studying for this message is this. It says, in this manner, pray, therefore, uh, therefore pray, our Father, our Father, I'm going to say it again, our Father. So Jesus, by the very virtue of what he said for us to pray was, he didn't tell them to pray, my father. <laughs> he told them to pray, our father. In other words, he's saying the perfect prayer is not just about you. I never saw it before. He said, yeah, you can clap your hands for that. That's a good revelation. I never saw before that the perfect prayer was not my father who's in heaven. Jesus is saying, when you posture yourself, set yourself up to pray our father. It's corporate. It's universal. It's bigger than just my wants and my needs. I'll read on now. Our father. Say our. our. Not just me, not just you, not mine, but our father. How be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done as earth is in heaven. Give who? Us. Us this day. Our daily bread. Do you understand that when people hoard, it's the exact opposite of that scripture? Do you know that? Like we already dealt with the, the toilet paper stuff. <laughs> and then a couple weeks ago, I wasn't sure if we were going to have to deal with the gas crisis, right? And if you realize in Florida, we weren't even affected literally physically by what was happening with that pipeline that shut down. But I saw people lined up hoarding gas. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray give us our daily bread. So the kingdom of God is about us looking out for each other and caring about where each other is and, and, and having each other's best interest at heart. And being able to know, I just looked at it and I thought, how incredibly selfish people go into self-preservation mode, man. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to hoard it up. Give us this day our daily bread. And look at this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I love this part because we all have temptations. He says, and don't lead us into temptation." But deliver us from the evil one because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said. Amen. So I'm learning 
that in this next season, I've been okay because we've had to be okay being 60%, 70%, keeping a seat between you, wearing the mask, washing our hands. And guess what? We're going to continue to wash our hands and continue to use the best tactics and take care of you and cover you and bless you because we want you safe. But I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, in this next season, people who are staying away because of whatever excuse and reason, I'm telling you, that's not a corporate mindset. I'm telling you, I don't know how it's going to fix. I don't know how we're going to shift it. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I know that the membership role or numbers in this place, if everybody who came who calls himself a part of Now Church, we could not fill this building. I mean, we would pack this building up five times over every Sunday. And I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm telling you, I'm an advocate for the church. I'm an advocate for the house of God. I'm an advocate. I fight for what I know makes a difference. I fight for what I know I've seen be effective in people's lives. I fight for what I know matters for how you live your life. I'm intentional about it. I'm unapologetic about it. And I'm believing that we're going to example that for the people of this earth. And we're not going to be greedy and we're not going to be hoarders and we're not going to be just always looking out for ourselves. If Jesus himself said, the way I want you to pray is our, collectively, corporately, how many of you know that God wants us to think that way? Yeah. And the last scripture I have today is found in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And just for sake of time, I'll just read the verse and we'll move on. It says, therefore, and I heard somebody say before, whenever you see the word therefore, you got to find out what the therefore is there for. Or <laughs> heard that. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips, trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love the picture that Hebrews chapter 12 paints. And most of you will know that kind of as you know part of the the faith chapters 11 and 12. But I love the picture that it paints. It says there are a cloud of witnesses. There's a bunch of people in the biblical files of heaven who are not just up there saying, hey, you can do it. They're saying, hey, we've been through what you've been through. Now, we didn't have all the technology and stuff that you guys are, you know, privy to now, but there have been generations of people that have gone before you, and they're saying, hey, don't stop. Amen. Don't quit. I know it gets hard. I know the road seems super rough. I know that sometimes things didn't work out the way you thought, but they're saying, hey, we're fighting for you. They're in the stands cheering you on, saying, we've been there. We understand it. They are not armchair quarterbacks. You know those guys who say, well, he should have threw the ball to that guy, and they never threw a ball in their entire life. Right? These people in heaven are not those folks. They are people who say, I've already run the race. I've done it before you. Let me cheer you on. 
Run the, way, the race with endurance. Don't stop. Don't let life trip you up. Don't let sin pull you away. Guys, I'm so desperate for God to show up for us. I'm so hungry for another generation that can walk in a room and experience his presence. I find it so interesting. I've been in so many different moves that I've been able to see worship come and go and change and things that shift and I'm done. But right now, there's this whole big thing, this whole group, Maverick City, and they've been out for two or three years, four years. I don't know. They've been around. Sometimes you're late to the party. But I'm listening to them and I'm watching them and they're having these moments where they'll do these pop-up worship sessions and they'll just show up in a city and you see all these young people showing up and, and this whole generation that seems to be hungry for God and, and looking for a move of his spirit. Church, I don't want to be left out of what God wants to do in this earth. I don't want it to have to be a Maverick City or an Elevation Church thing. How many of you know God can move right here in Ocala? Right here. Right here. Those coaches that we're talking about, well, we, we never had anybody in our chapel before PL came. That wasn't about PL, but that was about what I carried that's, that's from this house. How about another generation of passionate worshipers? I can't wait to the day that I don't have to play the keyboard anymore. I love the keyboard, but I have much more fun being out here in your face when I'm worshiping. I look for the day. We've got another generation of people who want to play, who want to be a part of it, who want to do something outside the box, but we all have to do our part. We've got to do our job. Yes. So there's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, and there's a posture that we get to have as a church of holy desperation. God, just show up, just show up, just show up, breathe in us. I love Maverick City, but I don't have to be Maverick City to feel your presence. I don't have to sell a million records to know that I'm valuable and that what I do matters. Right? Your jobs or whatever your capacity is, I'm done. But I feel God working in that. Don't be unemployed. Don't live off your stimulus package. Right? Enjoy it, utilize it, be blessed by it, but don't stop there. Do your job. And when you do it, the Spirit of God meets you. Oh, I feel heaven. Can you come up here, Ben? Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for today. And I've delivered what I felt like you had for me to share with your people. Your people. And I ask you, Lord, that as we posture ourselves and we sing things like, this is a move. We sing songs like uh, heaven and earth moves when we pray. And when we sing songs like um, God, that, that the bowels of hell begin to shake when they're, I'm asking you, God, to stir up a hunger in the people of now, church. I'm asking you, Lord God, Lord, I know I'm not, this again, this is not bashing or coming against, but Lord, let there be just an, a desperate appetite for the power of your presence to breathe in us again.
Let there be a hunger, Holy Spirit, like never before. Help us to go off script in some of our services. Help us not to be afraid to show the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God, here we are on Pentecostal Sunday. Not ashamed of the spirit language. God, I thank you that you're stirring up something in the spirit and the people and the hearts of your people. I thank you, Lord God, that now church will be a place where we encounter the power of your presence. I thank you, Lord God, that we are not stuck in the old thing, but you're wanting to move us forward as we do our job, as we connect, as we are employed in the kingdom of God. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of who you've called us to be, how you've made us, how you've positioned us. And so, Lord, this morning I ask you, we never leave the building because I, I just with your heads bowed as they are, I never, ever leave a service without giving you a chance to know Jesus. That's the on-ramp for you. I don't do a whole lot of spending time with it. But if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you've not accepted him in your heart, you've not had built that relationship and that connection, that connection to him, I want you to lift up your hands. I'm going to pray for you. If, that's, if you're in this building right now, okay. And so, Father, those who are here today, I'm going to ask every single person who is hungry for a move of God, who knows that maybe in some ways you've been spiritually unemployed. And I say it with people in the room, but some of you who are watching, you've been away and God's pricking your heart. And you just want to posture ourselves for a move of his spirit. Let's just begin to pray. Father, I thank you right now that you're working in this house. You're working in this atmosphere. And Lord, what you want to speak and what you want to do in the next season, we are postured for. We are grateful for the influences that we find around us. We are thankful for all the stuff that's happening in the earth. But God, now church is postured for a move of your spirit. We position ourselves for you to breathe on us again. Lord, we position ourselves to be those who are equipped to do the work of the ministry so that the body can grow. We position ourselves to see to see. Lord, to see that building built, the legacy center built, but not just because of what we do, but because of what we believe, because of how we're, we're playing our part, we're playing our role, God, and we're posturing ourselves for a move of heaven. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.